0: Thanks everybody for um, for joining us today. We've got uh, three local industry experts, and we're going to talk about entrepreneurship uh, and collaboration today. Um, and for the first four or five of these, we did it was all about how has COVID nineteen impacted your business right now, uh, and we will talk about some of that. But we also want to talk about the future uh, as businesses in Tennessee prepare to open uh, here in just about just under seventy two hours. Um, There's excitement, there's trepidation, there's still some uncertainty, uh, but the one thing that we do know is that with great challenge comes uh, great opportunity. Uh, And so we're going to hear what the UT Research Park and the Knoxville Entrepreneurship Center are both doing uh, in terms of some of the cool things around entrepreneurship and collaboration. Um, We've got Jim Biggs with KC. Jim is the executive director there. Jim, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being here. And then we've got Tom Rogers, uh, president and CEO of UT Research Park. Tom, how's it going today? We're very well, Kenneth. Thanks for having us. Awesome. And then we've got Ricky McCollum, who is the VP of the UT Research Park. How's it going today? Kenneth is great. Appreciate you uh, giving us this opportunity. No, no problem at all. Um, very quickly, um, I'll let you all, I obviously said your name and your title, but if you all can just kind of tell us um, a little bit of your background, just in general, and then what you're doing for the community, um, organizationally. And the- we'll start with you. Oh,
1: sure. So um, you know, as you mentioned, I'm the executive director for Knoxville Entrepreneur Center. Uh, I've been here for about six years now. Um, I come from a background as a, let's call it, a, at least an aspiring reformed attorney. Uh, I don't know that you're ever completely cured of it, but uh, I'm getting there. Um, And then after that, having worked for startups uh, in the Bay Area for for a number of years before moving here. Um, KEC is, uh, you know, uh, really intended to be the front door for entrepreneurs in the community. We're a resource for anybody who's looking to start or grow a business here. Uh, And we try to be sort of connective tissue to all the other great organizations that are also here supporting entrepreneurs uh, through efforts like the Innovate 65 Alliance, through the Knoxville Business Support Network uh, and uh, through the connections that we've been able to build. So um, we're excited to be a part of this uh, growing community and definitely uh, excited to be a part of helping it uh, rebuild as we come through this sort of current crisis. So,
2: um, Tom Rogers, I've had the great fortune of spending my entire career here in the in the East Tennessee area. Um, apparently, I have a 10-year itch, and so about about every decade, I move on and try something new. I've worked at the at the Tennessee Valley Authority. I ran the Oak Ridge Chamber of Commerce. Um, I started an organization called Technology 2020. Um, left there, went to the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, and about a year ago, um, was was recruited to run the UT Research Park, which I, has just been a, a really really satisfying uh, experience for me.
0: Awesome, Rick?
3: Yeah, I've also been very fortunate to uh, have been born and raised here in East Tennessee. Um, i had an opportunity, um, like Tom, to to work for TBA for uh, for a number of years before. Making the transition over to the uh, to the University of Tennessee uh, back in 2014, where um, I worked with a group that uh, um, uh, in corporate engagement, where um, we would engage with industry across the country, um, find the strengths and capabilities with the with the university, and then match them up with with industry in the relevant um, areas of of research and and giving opportunities uh, with the campus and. Um had a lot of uh, had a lot of time to spend with the uh, leadership, faculty, our students to get to know the uh, the university inside and out. and um, we're very privileged to have the opportunity to come over to work with Tom at the research park back in um, July and really uh, capitalize on that knowledge of the the university um, so that we can make sure that we are everything that we do is surrounded by how does that connect to the university? how does it connect to private industry and the developments that we're doing? and and creating a bigger ecosystem, uh, not only for the campus but for for Knoxville itself.
0: Awesome. Before we um, got before we went live today, we were talking about how how long um, we've each known each other. And Ricky and I are, are fellow UTC alum, and we've known each other for almost fifteen years. I won't I won't I won't, won't tell people know, pre or post college or during college, or whatever. But it's been about fifteen years that we've known each other. And Tom and I had the opportunity to meet um, about 11 years ago um, as I came on board to work for the Oak Ridge Chamber of Commerce. And then Jim and I met about seven years ago when he uh, moved to the area uh, and started his role with the KEC. So very happy to have personal relationships to know all of you all for quite some time and happy to do this. So with that, we'll get right into it. Um, I've got some questions that I'm gonna ask. I'll start um, with Tom and Ricky. Um, Research parks and ecosystems have increased over the last decade. How do you think the pandemic will increase the need for their presence?
2: Well, let me take a let me take a, a, a crack at that. Um, we were talking before we came live today that you know none of us really know exactly what is going to happen post-pandemic and what's going to happen in Knoxville over the next weeks and, and months. Um, but um the research park is a is a gateway for collaboration for the private sector to engage with with the university and with the National Laboratory. Um, and those, those collaborations as, as life changes, I think there'll be people will be in public less, um, will be trying to be much more efficient with the time they spend in public. And so the value of curated collaborations, the, the contacts that Ricky has at the university, the contacts I have in Oak Ridge um, are gonna be really, really valuable. I think we can help people more efficiently reach out and find the the student talent they need, the R and D capabilities that they need to be successful um, in a changing world.
3: Yeah, and I know over the last couple of weeks, there's a, a, a kind of a professional group that that we belong to called the Associated uh, University Research Parks, and so there's been regular calls um, about you know how do you how are we are all the research parks handling all the COVID nineteen change and. Um, how is industry related to that and, and all of the connectivity that they have in the research parks and you know from the gist of, um, of everything that we're hearing from some of the bigger research parks across the country is that um, while it is a, a change in inconvenience um, there is a path forward um, and the research parks have a very integral part in that you know as you can see over the last couple of weeks research parks have utilized their relationships with industry to help Um, drive projects with the university, um, creating, you know, the face shields and the face masks and um, really utilizing those relationships to be able to help um, in this. And I think that that's going to something we're going to see continue to happen um, and kind of evolve. Um, I think from the aspect uh, of of attracting and retaining, you know, industry into into our research park is is also going to take some creative. Um, mindset on our part of of how do we connect all those things, but with the the relationship that that Tom mentioned we have with ORNL, the connectivity to campus, our incredible students and leadership, I think that's something that we're all going to do together and figure out what's uh, what's the best path forward to to make everybody successful during you know this time that we we've never experienced before.
0: You know, it, it's interesting. You, you think about um, traditional PPE products, and you look at masks, and you look at gloves. Um, But I would imagine that as time goes on um, for, I don't know, the next year or maybe indefinitely, that there will be some other products that are um, utilized, created, some other innovation. Anybody have any thoughts on some other things? Maybe you've read an article or magazine or maybe you've seen some different type of protective products that are maybe on the cutting edge right now that you think could be utilized, either new or ones that. Have had prior usage and maybe now they're going to be used um, for a different reason. I've got one. This may not be a more traditional
3: or innovative um, uh, idea, but you know we've got a lot of local moonshine distilleries and um, and microbrew uh, distilleries around Knoxville. And my uh, my wife works for uh, Blunt County Hospital and uh, or Blunt Memorial Hospital and. One of the local moonshine distilleries up in up in Gatlinburg had transformed their their moonshine distiller, and it started making hand sanitizer. And so they started delivering some of this hand sanitizing product to some of the hospitals and some of the doctor's offices around around Knoxville and Maryville. Um, she came home having having some problems with the way that it smelled because you can't get the moonshine out of the hand sanitizer. So <laughs> you know, who knows that there may be some kind of Cherry flavored or cherry uh, aroma uh, moonshine hand sanitizer that comes from this, but it's it's it just goes to show it's kind of a unique opportunity, mm-hmm. um, one that you wouldn't ever think would be a natural fit for a, a hand sanitizer to come from that. But I think that's the innovation and creativity that we're all going to have to have to have as we kind of move forward in in thinking outside of that that normal box and and what can we do to to really make an impact and 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 how can we do that?
0: Interesting, awesome. <laughs> Well, Jim, if we see anybody walking <laughs> around licking their hands, we know that we've got moonshine hands on. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, for you, entrepreneurship ha- has always been scary. Um, so how, how do you think tomorrow's entrepreneurs are going to have to change their go-to-market strategies in order to be successful?
1: So... Um... You know, I think there is, first of all, I would echo Tom's comments. There's so much uncertainty right now that um, people don't know exactly, you know, what going to market even looks like at this point, especially if you're talking about launching a new product or trying to bring a new idea to market. Um, so part of it is just going to have to be a continuation of the really sort of agile approach to uh, to testing a market and understanding your customers are that entrepreneurs have been developing for a while right i mean i think this just reinforces the idea that lean startups uh, are going to be even more critical um so what else does it mean well you know one um, remote work is here to stay right um most people to the extent that they can avoid it are going to be working from home at least part of the time Um, So how do you maintain productivity? How do you ensure that your team continues to be connected uh, and um, pulling in the same direction uh, when you don't have physical presence? I think that's gonna be a challenge people are gonna have to to continue to address. Um, Some are more adaptable to that than others. Um, I think it also means, you know, um, that if you are going to be launching a new venture right now, you need to seriously consider how you're going to capitalize it. Um, Early stage money has all but evaporated for entrepreneurs uh, and it's not likely to return anytime soon. So trying to think through, um, you know, uh, strategies around raising capital or how can you bootstrap a company are gonna be a critical part of of how you go to market at this point with, with a new venture in particular. Um, And then I think you also have, uh, you know, differences based on what kind of business you're trying to do, right? So if you're trying to launch a new retail place or you're trying to start a new restaurant, it's going to be a completely different um, set of problems that you encounter uh, from launching a new software company or from, you know, maybe converting a moonshine distillery over to doing uh, uh, hand sanitizers. Um, So part of that really is just going to be a function of responding to the marketplace. Um, You know, do you want to open a co-working space right now? I don't know. Is that model completely dead or is uh, there going to be an opportunity for that to come back at some point? Um, You know, do you want to be converting some of your existing capacity to something else? I think um, one of the the cool ones that I saw, in addition to the, the one that Ricky was pointing out. There's a company in town called RCN Technologies. Um, You may have come across uh, Jeff's company at some point. Um, They have a process for retrofitting school buses with Wi-Fi hotspots. Um, And we're already looking at doing that and helping uh, kids be able to connect to Wi-Fi while they were on a school bus, for example. Um, More recently, they've been looking at Uh, essentially creating mobile hotspots and then deploying them into places like neighborhoods where there is insufficient broadband to be able to support the community uh, and where people are now uh, increasingly reliant on being able to work from home or study from home. Uh, So you look at people who are taking existing things and being able to, to adapt them. And I think that's another way that people are going to technically be going to market uh, is, is um, just, you know, doing these kind of pivots and, and being able to move forward with stuff that they've already got on hand.
0: Well, In some ways is a competitor of ours, so we might have to edit that last part out, Jim. I don't know if we're going to air that. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I, I know I know Jeff and the team and they are uh, a really good group. Jeff's an awesome guy and he's built a really good company.
1: This was just teeing it up for you to be able to tell us the great things that you're doing in the community, <laughs> Kenneth.
0: That's a salesman you. <laughs> Uh, next question uh, for for Ricky and Tom: uh, How will universities change the way that they interact with students and for-profit businesses to create and maintain strong relationships?
3: Ricky, you want to go first? Yeah. So, um, and, and actually, this kind of hits uh, home to some um, some potential prospects uh, new to the university that I've I've had conversations with this week. Um, had um, you know west coast companies uh, midwest companies all still very much interested in, in recruiting our students typically you know the the way that they come to campus is through the recruiting events or through some kind of engagement with classes and um, faculty and um, shared sponsored research projects and all those type of things and while they the the travel piece is not going to be in place and i think this just provides another opportunity to connect to them um, that companies are really looking to go towards a, a full virtual experience where it doesn't necessarily a need for them to travel from the West Coast over here for a recruiting event, but still have the same level of, of connectivity and face to face time, and um, you know to be able to get a good idea of what that student is and can be for their company. Um, and one of the suggestions that I've heard from several companies is, is doing a kind of a virtual um, company share so you know, you host a, a platform where everyone can join in, in one place. You have competitions where if it's a, a technology company um, where they'll have some kind of um, gaming coding um, test for the students to be able to participate in and um, be able to get real time stats on, on you know, the success that they're going through. And then they utilize that, that information and knowledge on what kind of students they're wanting to recruit and what kind of colleges that they're wanting to really focus on for the universities and you know while it, it's not the most traditional way of doing it, um, it it's a very streamlined process from what i've understood so far um, and have got at least two companies from the uh, west coast that are interested in in moving forward with this um, with the university in the fall so you know two two companies completely opposite sides of the united states Still very much interested in recruiting students from the East Coast and the University of Tennessee, um, and have a are thinking of a new way to be able to do that. And so I think moving forward, that's going to be kind of the opportunities that we're going to have to look at. Um, you know, the, the virtual connectivity that we can have um, that just opens up the other uh, the other opportunities to be able to connect with the industry that are, are out there wanting and needing to to uh, recruit our students.
2: Tom, anything to add? Yeah, I think Ricky's spot on. Um, The universities are going to change, and we need to change with them so that we can service our our customers better. Um, We've actually had some experience with that ourselves this semester. Uh, We're working with a a senior design team um, from the civil engineering department, um, trying to understand what the south portion of our park is gonna look like as the Tennessee Department of Transportation builds a brand new interchange that will connect um, the UT Medical Center and, and, and the research park. Um, and we weren't sure how it was gonna work. I mean, we had we had a team of eight or nine um, um, juniors and seniors at UT, um, they all had their assignments and we had to shift virtual, but it's worked very well. And I think that, that we'll be able to help companies. I get back to um, curated collaborations. It's it's people are going to have to be efficient and and they're going to need resources like research parks to help them do business.
0: Being that kind of doing is going to be very important. I'm interested to see how the relationships will grow since um, geography uh, will not be a biggest challenge for you all as it probably has been. How you all can grow? Nationally, and then maybe even international. I'm not sure. Are there international relationships that you all foster right now, or is everything that you all do here um, in the in the US?
2: As I think about it, I think most of our most of our, the partnerships that we're working with right now are are domestic, but there certainly is the opportunity to do more of that. Certainly we have faculty from around the world. Um, the, the, the laboratory has people working from 89 different countries um and so i think that you'll you'll see more of that collaboration going forward especially if we move to a virtual world um and geography becomes less of a constraining factor uh, it may increase significantly
0: mm-hmm.
1: interest okay tom i would also suggest um although we all think of vw as living right down the road um i mean that's you know that is an international collaboration for you guys right yeah and that's a point background. Um, sure. That you guys really are pulling in talent from all over the place, right? And hope to do more. Yeah, we look forward to it.
0: Jim, next question for you, and I, and I can talk about this from personal experience. Um, events have been tremendous for you all. You know, you all host—I don't know—anywhere from six to twelve events, maybe even fourteen every year. Whether you all are uh, a co-sponsor or a co-host or it's solely a KEC event. Um, So with programs and special events being so vital to your ability to impact the entrepreneurial community, what innovative ideas can we expect moving forward? And I will actually, Jim, I'll let you answer this and then uh, would love to hear from uh, Tom and Ricky on this one as well.
1: You know, I think that's really going to be an interesting question. Um, We have been very fortunate. We've been able to move the vast majority of our programming online at this point. Um, And um, that seems to have been successful so far. So, uh, you know, things like our, our co-starters class, our uh, Etsy craft entrepreneurship class, we've actually been able to do online. Um, But it doesn't have the same level of connectivity. It doesn't have the same level of opportunity for, um, for spontaneous collisions that you find when you do one of those in-person events, uh, especially some of the bigger events where we're fortunate to partner with uh, folks like like Tom and and the research park and the rest of, of the uh, group at the Innovate 65 Alliance to do uh, you know a startup day, for example. Um, uh, so, um, you know, the, the honest answer is we're not hundred percent sure right now. Um, we are looking at Continuing to do some of that stuff online and expanding our use of platforms like Lunch Pool. I think you've seen a couple of events there, and um, in some cases, it's perfectly tailored to doing things that we were going to do live. Uh, so, um, we were going to do a hackathon over the summer. We may do the hackathon using Lunch Pool. Um, we are partnering with the city to do an event for small businesses uh, later. Uh, I guess it'll be in, in early May um and the idea will be that you can pair um you know support resources at a given location on lunch pool um with people who want to come in and come out and and seek advice and guidance um we uh you know we are also um looking at you know can we do uh can we get creative about how we get together with people We even floated the idea for a minute of finding uh, an old uh, drive-in theater somewhere in Knoxville uh, and using that as a platform to go out and host some of our events. Um, turns out there aren't very many around, but there is one in Maryville. So if we can get people to drive up there, then uh, uh, you know maybe we'll be able to do that. Um, but um, I, you know I think it's going to be um, a, a really a function of responding to. Um, how the community continues to to emerge from uh, sort of a lockdown mentality, and how quickly we can get back to um, to something closer to the, the personal uh, sort of connectivity that we were fostering before this all happened.
3: So I know just speaking personally, but I know Tom and I both have kind of shared this. Uh, we're face to face people. Um, that that's a, a big challenge of not being there face to face and having um, our our guests or or industry that we have in not being able to physically have them walk around the park to see how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to be able to to share pictures and you know, presentations and stuff of the space, but it's it's a completely different thing when you're in in the park looking at the river, looking at all of the landscaping and kind of seeing that bigger concept. So you know, I, I agree with Jim. It's it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to adapt some way and, and hopefully find um, a good solution that meets both of in-person and virtual. Because um, some things are just going to be um, harder to to sell the picture and to be able to see the bigger opportunities when you're not there in, in, in person. Um, but we've got some ideas of being able to incorporate, you know, at least for us, for some really cool drone footage where we can kind of, um, show off the park a little bit um, a little bit better in a little bit cooler way that kind of attracts to you know the younger audience um, and being able to kind of capture that that unique opportunity with some of the new technology and stuff out there that we can use to help us showcase the park when we can't physically have people visiting there in person I think
1: actually that's it's a, a great point Ricky and something that um, you know maybe to follow on um, Content and the ability to tell a story right now is one of the ways that you keep this community moving forward. Right, um, being able to share uh, what's going on and being able to inspire people uh, through stories and and through um, you know um, uh, you know sort of the inspirational things that people are doing in this community, um, I think is is going to be a pretty critical piece of. Um, not losing the momentum that we have built up, uh, being able to uh, encourage people to, to sort of keep going even if the ability to get together in person doesn't exist for a while. Um, and, you know, I guess the other thing I would suggest is that since we've gotten somewhat more accustomed to operating via Zoom, um, to some extent it opens up a broader horizon of content that we can consume, right? So we can bring in speakers uh, who we might not have otherwise tried to engage for example um, because we didn't want to do it virtually right we want to have those people here in person now people are really uh, uh, open to the idea of sitting in on a webinar with somebody who may be you know halfway around the world at this point point. Um, and so uh, not only can we bring in content but we can push out the stuff that we're creating to a much broader audience uh, and uh, you know maybe help showcase the great things that are happening in Knoxville.
2: Yeah I think I'd add that the the um the virtual world has its advantages and its disadvantages right so um Jim and I have worked through the innovate 65 alliance with with um lots of lots of our our colleagues for years trying to get investors to come to our startup day so that you know they're going to come here so that it's, there's no substitute for face to face um and actually the the whole investment pitch and speed dating thing as as society gets more used to doing um Zoom meetings and everything, we might actually improve our outreach to to find investors and access to capital is an issue here in East Tennessee. But I think the the real value that organizations like KEC and the UT Research Foundation um, and and the Anderson Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation bring is the is the quality of mentoring that they provide. And that mentoring, I'm I'm with Ricky. I mean, we're face to face people. There's just no substitute for for being with someone and getting to know them, um, and getting the guidance that entrepreneurs really need, so virtual world can can can. I think um, we can we can improve our our performance in, in some areas, but but again, there no substitute for that personal contact.
0: Yeah, you know, I was thinking here, listening to all of you all speak, Ricky and I just um, because of our longstanding relationship and going to the same college, we're you know we text and we check in with each other from time to time. Very positive and forged relationships with both Tom and and Jim, um, but I don't know if this hadn't happened, that I would have been able to get you know the three of you to uh, on an interview. Right? It would have from a scheduling standpoint, from a, an availability standpoint, it probably would have been nearly impossible with the with the busy schedules that all three of you all have for me to get you in one place at one time. So um, to to all of your points, it definitely is going to open up some opportunities to get people. At the same place, at the same time, it will be virtually a single person. Like Tom, you said it's got some. There's some advantages. Sorry about that. Cut out for a second. Just like to go around and um, ask each of you, kind of, if there are any thoughts that you all want to share in terms of your industry, your organization, or just. Thoughts in general as we prepare to uh, open up the state uh, again for, for commerce and get our, our economy back up and going. So, um, Tom, I'll start with you, and then we can go to Jim and finish out with Rick.
2: That's great. So, so let me give you a little sneak preview of, of an initiative that we have going on at the park. Um, we've spent most of the time today talking about how things are going to change. Everything's going to be a virtual world. You're going to see people less. Um, Ricky and I have offices in the Joint Institute for Advanced Materials. And there is a a wonderful 2,000 square foot wet lab on the ground floor of that facility that just since the day I started has has screamed to me, this could be a a wet lab technology-based incubator for this community. Um, And so we've been working quietly trying to develop a business model around something we're calling the Spark Innovation Center. have made some real progress that's one of the one of the things we've kind of chuckled about while while there's been less demand for our time on real estate projects we've had time to work on things that we can control um like new projects like this um and we're getting close to being able to open that facility we think that the facility will allow us to um support up to eight startup companies and believe it or not we have commitments from six companies already so Um, Sometime this summer, July 1st, we hope maybe a little bit later uh, we'll be uh, announcing to the public the the creation of a brand new wet lab incubator for Knoxville.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: Jim? Tom, that'll be a great, great addition to the community. I'm excited to see that. Um, I think I I forwarded you some information about the one we had visited up in uh, in in Boston. Really, really impressive. So that'll be that'll be awesome to see. Congratulations on, on getting that going. Um, so yeah, Kenneth. I guess um, you know, for me, the interesting thing, and maybe this relates back to Tom's point about capital earlier. As we move forward, is going to be to to start to have a better understanding of um, what has what has fundamentally changed. What has changed structurally in our community that is just not going back to the way it was. And what kind of things can we revert to at some point? Um, you know, it may be that access to capital is one of those things that has structurally changed for the better for us, because, you know, uh, investors are looking for uh, deal flow anywhere at this point, And they're not beholden to somebody who is just down the road from them. Right. So maybe they you know, this is not flyover country anymore. If you're if, if we're Zoom nation. Um, uh, <laughs> You know, I think on a a higher level, um, we've always tried to champion the idea that entrepreneurs add economic and and social value to every community. And I think now, maybe more than ever, given these really extraordinary times, communities are going to need to rebuild. Uh, Communities are going to need to grow their economies. Uh, And to do that, they will need entrepreneurs. Um, So whether it's bringing a new business back to life, whether it is bringing an existing business back to life, Um, we as an ecosystem are going to need to be there to support them. uh, And to be providing the the flow of talent, uh, of information and resources that uh, the organizations uh, that we work with, um, like uh, the university, uh, like the research park, uh, the lab, and you know, then the Chamber and, and and the Urban League and all these other organizations that support entrepreneurs are, are bringing to the table. So this is gonna be a community effort um, to help us understand uh, the value of, of entrepreneurs and then to help um, them realize a success that's gonna keep us growing. Um, one of the things that we've done um, since we're giving sneak peeks uh, to help uh, try and pull that all together, um, we created a website called Opportunity Knox. So if you go to Opportunity K-N-O-X.co, um we're basically uh, creating an, an open source website where people can come and develop a community resource um, that crosses boundaries. So not just focused on business, not just focused on health and wellness, not just focused on food insecurity or housing insecurity. Um, It's sort of a one-stop shop where people can come and then connect with resources that are um, focusing on all of those uh, different topics. Um, And uh, we're excited to to have partners in, this is not a a KEC thing, this is a a community thing. Um, And partners from from the entire community uh, who are working with us to develop that. we're excited to see the community come together and uh, to help us uh, sort of um, recover and grow going forward. And I think that's that's the opportunity we see in front of us.
0: Awesome, awesome, Ricky. we let you <laughs> Yeah. So, there's one thing that uh, that I that I love about the work that
3: that Tom and I and um, um, Sharon Meredith and, and Tab of the Park, our, our complete team, are doing at the research park is is the coming together and, and it being the connectivity gateway um, for collaboration, not only with the University, um, but with ORNL and the greater Knoxville community. Um, for me, it's been um, at a place that can help support and give support in um, all those connection points, not only to the you know economic development resources that we um, have with the Chamber and with Jim at, at, at KC, but being able to help all the small businesses, the entire ecosystem, um, grow and thrive as as we find ourselves in a in a new area that we, we've never been able to navigate before. Um, we are doing some some really cool things. One thing I want to mention um, is that while I want everybody to be mindful of the social distancing and you know gathering in large numbers, the research park is a opportunity for folks in the community to go enjoy. There is a huge greenway that runs through there. It is on the riverfront. There's walking trails throughout. There's opportunities for you to take your dog and go out. It's a it's a resource that's that's there for everybody to use. And, and oftentimes we hear, well, I, I thought it was a research park. I didn't know that we could go over to there. Well, I didn't think that that was a, a place where we could go enjoy. That is completely not the case. Um, it's a beautiful piece of property. And so, you know, during this time when you have some free time, you can get out with your family and take your kids, your grandkids and bikes and you know, go enjoy the space and see it uh, for yourself, because um, we're we're hoping to develop um, that area down towards the waterfront, and so this it's a great time to be able to go utilize um, a piece of property that's that's very closely located where we're all lo- where we're all at right now. So, um, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Um, we certainly appreciate uh, all that you're doing, and uh, look forward to uh, to giving you any support that we that we can from our end.
0: Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, everybody that's listening, I'm sure they've been able to get some some valuable information out of this. Good to see you guys virtually, and uh, hopefully oh soon we can uh <laughs> chat <check> out- <laughs> You guys, take that's care. Thanks, Kenneth. appreciate thank it. the time.